when in our lifetime or our family's lifetime, generation's lifetime, have you had the entire world focused on one specific item? When you've had scientists from every corner of this earth looking into this to try to, to, try to come up with a plan. If there's one thing that the entire world can agree on, it's that the COVID-19 vaccine needs to be in our arms as soon as possible. Uh, it's the biggest development in our time and, and really maybe in the history of, of humanity, we'll look back and think about not only how much COVID has disrupted our lives, but how much the vaccine could help us get back to what we called normal. And we'll see what that looks like you know, once this pandemic is over. Um, but it's the biggest story out there. It's the biggest thing on everyone's minds is, is what is this vaccine? Is it safe? How do we get it? When do we get it? And today on Around the Block, we're going to talk about how our, our local health officials are uh, managing the vaccine rollout and just kind of get an overview of where we are right now um, with the vaccine. Yeah, this seemed like a great time for us to do a general update to our listeners with regard to uh, the state of the pandemic in Crawford County in our community, but but also more specifically to talk with uh, someone who is very well-versed in not only uh, the situation in Crawford County, but also the vaccine development uh, and and also to be able to educate folks on the ins and outs of the vaccine. And that's uh, uh, Dr. Tim Stebbins, who we're fortunate joined us today on Around the Block and had a great uh, and candid conversation uh, in his role as public health, uh, health officer for Crawford County about where things stand today and I think, and then also where we're heading and, and the glimmer of hope that we have with the virus, uh, with the virus being addressed with this, this vaccine that, Brett, as you said, it's, it's pretty incredible to think about. And I think it's something that unfortunately got lost in the shuffle of the politics and, and other things. And it's something that uh, Dr. Stebbins does emphasize, but, you know, this really has the, the potential for being our generation's moonshot, uh, our moon landing, you know, the entire world most talented scientists coming together in, op in an open format working to address this plague of, of our time. And so uh, what we really wanted to do is have this conversation with Dr. Stebbins so that our listeners could be educated on, on the vaccine. Hopefully some of their questions about the vaccine could be answered so that they feel more confident in, in getting on the, on, in the queue to go get the shot. And then uh, also about the statewide and regional rollout of the vaccine and what folks can can expect. And so appreciate the time Dr. Steppen spent with us. And, and I'm hopeful that that uh, our conversation today with him is helpful to to many others in our community as we, as he says, uh, move through this next few months of the tunnel before we get to the light, but that there is a light. Yeah. And Sean, I don't know about you, but this was, I, I was probably looking forward to this episode of this conversation maybe more than all others because we're all curious we're, we all have questions and we all want to know as much as we can about this thing that and I know a lot of times there aren't answers or at least not clear direct answers but it's nice to be able to you know hop on a call with people who know as much as as anyone and just to be able to ask some questions and information is power and so that's why I think this conversation is very important to have. Exactly right, Brett. I completely agree. And I'd say, you know, uh, we're incredibly fortunate to have Dr. Stebbins as a public health officer continuing in that role for the next few months, at least to help see us through, 
to the vaccine delivery, but also for him to be willing to spend time with us on a periodic basis to, to give folks an update on what's happening. And I was really intrigued by what he had to say, and I hope others are too. So let's go around the block with Dr. Tim Stebbins. We're really excited to, to have you back, Dr. Stebbins, um, as a public health officer for, for Crawford County, as well as your laundry list of other responsibilities. But uh, uh, and doing this during a global pandemic was probably nothing you ever planned on doing in your life. But uh, but here we are, and we're very grateful that you're here. So uh, thanks again for for joining us. And today we're gonna we're gonna talk a lot about uh, the vaccine and uh, hopefully get folks educated on that and then also uh, promote uh, what we know of with regard to the distribution and, and, and encouraging folks to get it. So, but uh, I guess I'd, I'd start with, uh, how are you doing? Uh, well, uh, it's, it's a busy time for sure uh, with everything that's going on in the, uh, my different realms. Um, uh it's, there's a lot going on, but exciting times because we're, we're getting to a point that we can maybe actually do something now and, and work better with the prevention stuff. So I'm, I'm happy to be a part of that for sure. Uh, it's been a better week in our county as well. Um, we have gone from a little over 300 cases a week to we'll probably be in the 120 to 150 new cases this week that's down from 320 a couple of weeks ago uh in mid 200s last week so i was just looking through my yeah 326 then 309 218 last week and currently we only have 91 cases now this week so that's a, that's a nice shift. Um, I think people are getting a little better at what, uh, what they need to do, which is good. Uh, you know, early on, people didn't really believe that the virus was, was, a, a, was a thing. And I think we've all experienced it. There's not one person that I know of that hasn't either well, there's not one person I know of that hasn't experienced it in some fashion or the other. And so now we don't have to prove to people that it's real. We don't have to prove to people that it's deadly. Um, people know that. And I think that helps uh, helps people do the right thing overall with the mitigation strategy, which is good. So so and it sounded yesterday uh, during our task force call, Dr. Bean updated us on the on the positivity rates, and and it sounded like those might also be tracking down. Yeah, uh, four weeks ago we were at the high, thirty-seven percent. Uh, we've trended down since then, um, and this week currently it's twenty-two point eight percent, which is good. Our testing numbers are down a little bit as well. Uh, we would expect that if people aren't feeling bad, they don't get tested. Um, but we've had that all along. Um, and uh, the positivity rate, you know, declining into the 20s uh, is much better overall. 
So, yeah, so, so that, I want to make sure we understand. So when we talk about positivity rate, that's just, it's just as easy as dividing the number of tests by the number of positive tests. Yep, exactly. Uh, and we don't, uh, in that calculation, we don't utilize, like our long-term care facilities have to do a twice weekly testing. Uh, and that's a surveillance testing. We don't include that into the data because that would skew it inappropriately low. Mm -hmm. uh, that is community testing data. And so it actually reflects those that are presenting for testing um, for whatever reason um, for, for their positives or negatives. And so um, that uh, it more accurately reflects those that are seeking care because they don't feel well or they have concerns of one reason or another. So you really, you're thinking that the, the decline right now, the, and it's slight, I guess, but real, uh, it yeah. seems. uh, is that you, you attribute that to, to people you, you're thinking, maybe you indicated that they're more directly touched by this somehow because they've either had someone they love or than themselves. Uh, you know, I, I guess then therefore you're thinking people are doing mitigation more appropriately. Yeah. I think people are, are holding in place, which is good. Uh, you know, uh, Thanksgiving brought a spike afterwards, uh, a lot of families mixing. And, you know, then there was illnesses in the family, real illnesses. Uh, Christmas brought more family and friend mixing. And so it's not hitting somebody you don't know, it's hitting somebody that's close to you. And that has a chilling effect on a person as far as decision making. Uh, and I, you know, I, I haven't done a study to prove that that's the case, but when you look at population dynamics and human nature, that seems to follow pretty well. Uh, and, and I think it's working. Now we, we do have the additional input, 5,000 new people in the community starting this week uh, with the college reopening. Uh, we did have a surveillance testing of all of those going into the dorms again. And with that, about 10 positives, which is a 2% positivity rate, meaning all of those thought they were negative, 2% of them were positive. Uh, I think you can correlate with that with the general population of those returning. All of them think they're negative, probably about 2% of them are positive. And the university, I think, is doing a good job in messaging that to say, hey, you know, 2% of you are likely sick and potentially could transmit this virus. And so um, all of us need to continue our mitigation strategy, wear your mask, um, wash your hands, social distance, make smart decisions, don't go anywhere if you're sick. And we additionally said, if you're in the community and you're in a place that is not following those standards, it's probably not the safest place for you. Uh, and think about that as well. Um, you know, utilize the places that have made the decision to embrace the standards for the protection of their, their, their staff and uh, their patrons. And so uh, hopefully that message will carry through and go well. We'll see. So as we talk about the vaccine, in this, in this time we're in right now. I mean, there's so much to unpack with this, so many questions I think a lot of people have. Um, I'm, I'm just gonna 
start, I mean, Sean and I have a, a series of questions. I would say for me, the first one is, can you kind of give a brief summary of what does the vaccine do? What, yeah, what is so it that this, uh, I'll keep it simplified, but really the vaccine utilizing um, a component replica of the virus is interject or introduced to the body. That piece then uh, causes an immune response. Basically the body sees it as an invader and develops uh, immunity. So it develops antibodies in our body. And what the vaccine is, is not a virus. It's not a live virus. It's not anything that can infect you. Basically it's just a, uh, a replica piece of the of a protein of the virus then that the body can later recognize now it's it it recognizes it as a coat protein it's the outer layer of the virus and one of the things that um you know we often see and on t-shirts etc is sort of what a coronavirus looks like you know the round ball with all the pokey things and those pokey things are coat proteins and those actually identified that virus specifically. And so what the vaccine does is it replicates a piece of that. So the body learns to identify it. And so then every time the body sees that specific and it's very specific protein look or that outer coat, uh, it identifies it as an invader and then will begin to attack it. And that's really how all vaccines work different versions, different types, but um, that's really how all vaccines work. It teaches the body to know that that is bad and I want it out of me. And so, <laughs> yeah, uh, we all want it out of us, <laughs> not around us. Um, so I, I want to pause though for a moment here on something you mentioned. You said that it, it uses, because I think this is a really important emphasis piece because one of the fear, I, I think a lot of the fear surrounding these things is about it. It's not having knowledge, right? I mean, it's, right. it's uncertain. This clearly did happen way faster than most of the time you would see uh, production of a vaccine, these sorts of things. Um, before we talk about uh, how we got here so quickly, what I, one of the things that you mentioned was you said you have none of, you have no actual full virus. That right. so, how does this compare and contrast to say the traditional flu shot? That well, it's, it is still similar, although it's a different type of makeup. Like one of the uh, well, I'll just be straight. One of the conspiracy theories is. This is an RNA, which it is, um, and it's an RNA virus, so it's a little different type of virus. Uh, so it uses a piece of RNA, which is part of you know the RNA DNA makeup of our bodies. And so one of the concerns is is that the government is injecting uh, uh, nucleic acid into the body, which would change our structure of our DNA. That's not how this works. Um, that is, it, that's, it's not even in the realm of possibility outside of conspiracy theory. It's just, uh, we're, we're, there, we're doing a replica piece that looks like it, but is non-functioning. And that's, you know, you've got to teach the body, you know, we do this with kids, you know, a circle is a ball, uh, you know, the four 
sided thing is a square, right? We, it, we're teaching the body structure um, and we're teaching the body to build antibodies that fight that structure. And that's all that it is. So it can't infect you. It doesn't change your DNA. Um, and, um, you know, for the most part, it doesn't, there, there's not any adverse effect um, that we know of. Now, a lot of people cite that you get sick after the, after you take the vaccine. And a lot of people do after a lot of vaccines. And quite frankly, that's appropriate. You're not sick though, like you have the virus you're feeling your immune response. You're feeling when the body develops its battle group to fight this virus, it sets off a lot of reactions. And, and some of those include fever, which raises your temperature and kills things, right? Some of it includes um, the other vasoactive components, things that actually you know, cause our body to change. So it, it creates a structure that we can fight these invaders, either bacterial or, or viral. And so it's a little different than other viruses, um, just in the way that it was made because it's an RNA structure because of the type of virus, but it still follows the same fundamentals, if that makes sense. Sure, and, and hearing you describe it like that kind of feeds into a question I've had is, how is it different than having had COVID? Well, and that's a great question. Um, and so uh, coronaviruses uh, are a type of virus that we are, it's a big family of viruses that we really interact with all the time. Uh, and it's harder to develop immunity just because of the way it's made. And so they had to kind of design a virus that gives it a little better picture or not a virus. They had to design a vaccine to give it a little better picture so they could fire it, fight it. Like, you know, some of our common cold stuff, right? That we get all the time is a coronavirus, right? Just not this virulent deadly type. And so we just don't develop immunity as well after having the illness um, to this specific type of virus the vaccine gives us a little better picture so we can fight it. Uh, that's my understanding. And, I'm, and again, I'm simplifying this greatly because um, there's a lot of smart minds that put this together um, all across the world, right? Um, and uh, so, you know, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to fit it in a podcast. Yeah. Here. Sure. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. We appreciate that. Into non-biologist and... <laughs> To be able to understand it. Um, so you referenced it. I made a passing reference to it, but the, the production and the creation. of yeah. it. So let, let's talk a little bit about that, particularly with regard to, because I think this is one of the areas of suspicion, right, is uh, sure. well, usually a, a vaccine for a virus with, for such as this, you know, people will talk about how long it took to get an AIDS or an HIV virus that uh, or a vaccine. 30 years or whatever it was and, and, and other, and I don't know how long for polio, but people will point to these things and say, well, it took sure. so much longer. How did they get to this so quickly? Uh, and, well, and why should we trust it? Yeah. And so part of this is, uh, well, let's look at a cell phone, right? Cell phone today and cell phone 30 years ago, right? This handheld, handheld computer that would run the space shuttle now, right? Uh, versus the, the super big box from 30 and 40 years ago. 
I, that's just me saying technology has advanced a lot since HIV and polio. So that's part of it. The other thing is, is and if you think about it, when in our lifetime or our family's lifetime, generation's lifetime, have you had the entire world focused on one specific item? When you've had scientists from every corner of this earth looking into this to try to, to, try to come up with a plan. And not only that, they did it in an open environment where they were talking to each other to say, hey, this worked and this didn't. So people can move quickly to the what worked piece, right? Um, this has never happened. Historical never has happened. And so um, that's a lot of how we got there. Technology has advanced. Our understanding of how to make vaccines has improved over the, over the you know, since polio over the last 80 years. And uh, technology has improved and this willingness to work together uh, across all platforms um, has made this possible. Uh, it's an astounding achievement um, that we as a world should be proud of. And that's how. <laughs> so let's talk about where we are now locally. Um, What's happening in terms of the vaccine here within Pittsburgh and Crawford County? So um, the vaccine is we're we're we have two versions uh, currently available through emergency use authorization, uh, the Pfizer BioNTech and the Moderna. Uh, the Pfizer vaccine has the extreme cold storage requirement and. Uh, challenging storage because it just has to be kept at, I believe, negative 70 degrees, which is pretty darn cold. Um, so that has been distributed through hospital systems because they have better capability to, to store and manage that uh, for healthcare associated workers. The other version, the Moderna, less requirement for the extreme cold storage uh, has to be around uh, three to two to seven uh, degrees Celsius, I believe. Um, that is being distributed through our uh, federally qualified health centers, health departments and uh, pharmacy chains. So we have those two versions with those uh, storage requirements. Um, currently in Crawford County, uh, we have given around 600 of the Pfizer through the, the hospital systems and about 1,900 of the Moderna, um, so a total of 2,500-ish uh, um, uh, vaccines. And that's to uh, our phase one, 1A, 1B folks, which is all the healthcare associated workers, some critical infrastructure, um, and then long-term care facilities, right? Uh, we've given 650 vaccinations to uh, long-term care uh, staff and residents. Um, that was divided up between three different, four different systems. Um, National Pharmacy Chain doing the long-term long care facility. Um, the hospitals did their own staff and, and then some community staff, uh, health department and uh, community health center here locally 
then went out to get the remainder of the healthcare associated workers and and staff and uh, first responders, uh, medical first responders. So we are actually doing very well. The governor yesterday uh, moved us to phase two statewide, um, which I can talk about in a minute. Um, we have completed phase one A, one B for the most part and are moving, have moved into phase two currently, um, at least through the health department. The challenge that we have with vaccination is not uh, local uh, ability to give it. It's not state ability to distribute it. It's really not even federal ability to distribute it. It's mostly because we just need more vaccine, right? And so there's, there's waiting for vaccine everywhere, but I wanna back it up a little bit and say this, uh, when we're talking about vaccine administration, this virus has been in our country for one year now. And in one year, we learned about the virus, we developed a vaccine, we made a vaccine, we distributed a vaccine, and even in our county, our, our little neck of the woods, our 39,000 people out of the 350 million, we've already distributed 2,000 doses. That's amazing, right? That's incredible that in one year we could get to that part. And you know, when we were talking about viruses this summer, I was hopeful that we would have something by the end of the year, but my guess was it was gonna be March to May before we would be giving vaccine. We started in December, right? And so, uh, you know, that's a good thing. Now, we're, we're in phase two. Phase two covers uh, those that are 65 and older um, and critical infrastructure. And that's a long list, but it includes um, congregate care settings. Uh, it includes the K through 12 teachers, staff supporting uh, licensed childcare uh, workers. Um, it includes other critical infrastructure not done in phase 1A, 1B, and that's um, our first responders, police, fire, EMS that weren't vaccinated previously. Um, and then it goes on to another list, including, uh, you know, retail, transportation, aviation, um, uh, or critical retail, uh, and some a little more challenging to define, but we're able to do that locally, uh, personnel. Uh, really to keep things open and keep people uh, having the ability to have the things that they need for everyday living is kind of what it boils down to. Um, that group for Crawford County, probably around 8,500. Uh, there's around 5,500 and that uh, 65 and older. Uh, some of those though are already treated in phase 1A, 1B with the long-term care facility. Um, so it, it's kind of a, a moving target number, but around 8,500. So we have a lot of vaccine that we can give in phase two. The challenge is uh, our distribution this week for the county was 300 doses. 
Wow. So, <laughs> which um, our objective, our goal um, is we don't store vaccine. So if we get 300 doses, we give 300 doses and we should be very close to complete uh, of the 300 doses through the health department right now. And so, um, you know, uh, a couple things from our part, yes, we'd like more doses, but we're not going to hold one single dose. If we have it, we have the group, we have identified those that are in need uh, we will give that vaccine uh, as soon as we can. Um, I suspect that our distribution will improve um, as the manufacturing process continues to improve. Um, and I'm hopeful that that will increase week to week rapidly uh, to the point that we can actually do some mass vaccination events, which we have well, we have the plans. We, the health department developed the plans uh, right after 9-11. Um, so 20 years ago, or almost 20 years ago. And it's three large binders. <laughs> A little light reading if you're interested. Um, <laughs> uh, and, uh, and actually something good to work out with too, because they're, they're, <laughs> they're quite heavy. <laughs> That's good. Um, and those plans have been in place and actually were practiced during the H1N1 pandemic. We gave 1600 vaccines in a day. Um, we have the capability, we have the ability, we have the resources, we have the, the logistics component, we have the players in place to do that. We just need the vaccine. Uh, until then, we will continue to give the vaccine as fast as we get it. Get it. So we'll give it as fast as we get it. Uh, and that's what I need the community to know. Um, and honestly, every community member is on the list, 16 and older, right? Every community member will be able to get the vaccine eventually. Um, and, but we do need to prioritize that vaccine appropriately. So we're getting our highest risk groups um, as soon as we can. Um, and I will tell you up front, my phase, my phase two priorities are um, those that um, are at highest risk um, from the virus and keeping the kids in school. Those are the two priorities. And so uh, with that, we will do the 65 and older uh, as much as and, and as fast as we can. And then the secondary group uh, will be the teachers and staff uh, to keep our kids uh, and their educational component um, from early childhood education through 12th grade. Um, for you guys, the university side, um, we're working you in, but it won't be phase two, I'll be honest, unless you meet one of the other requirements. And then... Um, and that may actually change over time. Um, we have a, you know, we have some components of that that already meet their requirements um, just by age or other issues. And some of them are healthcare workers as well. And so, or associated. And so we're working them in the list as well. So 
that's kind of where we're at on our vaccination program currently. So what's, um, I know, so let's think about the, the supply side of this, because really it does sound like, and in the conversations I've had with you previously, and then even today, uh, feels like people should have a high degree of confidence uh, in our, our local distribution yeah. infrastructure. Uh, that, that really the challenge that we're facing right now is one of just not having, like you said, we had 300 doses this week. Uh, in this phase, we've got, you said, 8,500 approximately that would, would qualify for vaccination in this phase. Um, to, that means to get fully vaccinated, they have to get two doses, correct? Right. Now, the second dose, uh, we've been instructed, and this comes from the federal uh, folks through all the way down through the state folks to us. They are doing just-in-time dosing for all the second doses. So they want us to dose irregardless of the, the second dosing. And because we gave the first dose, it puts us on the distribution for the second dose. So that helps. Um, I, and, I, and I fully believe that some of the, the phased approach that they're giving it to us is because of expectations of when they're gonna get their next and how much their distributions are gonna be going forward. So I, they're planning and plotting that going forward. So um, I think we'll still be able to give vaccines concurrently and receive second dose vaccines for those that we've already given. Um, I guess time will tell, but that, that's what my understanding is from uh, talking with the state folks. And I personally talked with the Assistant Secretary um, of Health and Human Services or the KDHE um, earlier this week. Uh, and that was what she had explained to me as well. So, um, yeah, what's, distribution. What is the is, minimum? What's the minimum and the maximum amount of time between the first and the second? So, 28 days. We want to try to give it for the Moderna specifically. It's at 28 days uh, after the first dose, and we'd like to give it as close to that time frame as possible. Um, but you could give it. And a year later, and I think it would still be effective. So if we don't capture that 28th day, um, I don't think it'll be less effective if it was even in the next month or next few months. Uh, several of our vaccines, you know, if, if we miss the second dose, we just give the second dose. Um, it still develops the immune response. And so what we wanna do is we give it, it develops an immunity um, and then we give it later at a, at a specific date to kind of cement that immunity in the body, right? So um, really the answer is it needs to be at a later date. Pfizer was 21 days. Moderna was 28 days. When it, that and after is when we got the cementing. So you still have some immunity after the first dose. You just don't have full immunity. Are we are, are we getting uh, predominantly one the Moderna over the Pfizer right now, or, or so just because of the distribution system currently, it'll be more of the Moderna that the community will see. The hospitals and national pharmacy chains, I suspect, eventually. Well, the hospitals have 
the capability. The national pharmacy chains, I think, will have the, the capability. And so um, it, uh, we'll be able to kind of dual track that. Now, if you get, if you start with Pfizer, you end with Pfizer. If you start with Moderna, you end with Moderna, right? You, you can't cross those over. Uh, it doesn't work that way. This uh, may be hang on just a second, guys. I got to let my dog out. Are you going to hear her whining in the background? Sure, no problem. This uh, virtual environment that we all get, uh, we're all learning, uh, works very well, but uh, kids and dogs uh, <laughs> can uh, yes. add some flavor to the uh, program. Without a doubt. Yeah. <laughs> we've, had, we've had all of the above. Yeah. Yep. Um, doctor, this might be a question that's a little bit too broad to really have a, a clear answer, but we, we keep hearing about, and I know you've said it, and, and it's true that there is a light at the end of the tunnel you can start to see because of the vaccine rollout. And, and I suppose a question that a lot of people might have is now that the vaccines are getting out there, how long do you think it will be before we feel like it's even beginning to go back to pre-COVID times as far as maybe restaurants can start to fill, yeah. fill up and how, how do we know where we are in terms of that progress? Yeah, and the uh, light at the end of the tunnel, one of our uh, other health officers in the state, um, Dr. Pisano from uh, Topeka, who's now retired, uh, said, you know, and I, and I love this correlation, um, you know, we can see the light at the end of the tunnel, um, but we're still in the tunnel. We're still walking in the dark towards the light. And uh, so I'm gonna back. I'm gonna back up my answer, and then I'll answer your question. Um, we're still walking in the dark towards the light, so it's very important that we still watch our step because we can't see. And so with that, what we mean is we're at a point that things are gonna be better in the future but we still have to do the appropriate things now to protect ourselves. And that's wearing the mask, hand washing, social distancing, um, making smart decisions, which is one of the ones I always add, um, you know, don't go to areas where you know are going to increase your risk of getting COVID-19, um, especially areas that may not um, pay attention to risk modification to protect you as a customer. Um, and, uh, also if you're sick, stay at home, right? Don't spread the virus yourself. Um, and so we're, we're walking through that tunnel. Now, what I would like to see and where I will start to gain comfort that we are moving towards the other side is once we have a, uh, a 60 or 60 to 65% vaccination rate within the community. And really, I would prefer to say that in the region, right? Especially since we're such a mobile population, um, it's important that um, you know not only are we vaccinated, but those around us that you know where we go to and where they come from are also uh, vaccinated. Uh, as far as time frame. Uh, I am hopeful by the start of the next school year that things will be a bit better. Now we have some challenges right now. Uh, we have some viral mutations that may make this vaccine 
a little less effective. Uh, and I heard that recently. I haven't been able to look at the scientific data, but um, the African version versus the uh, European version um, that we already have in the United States. Um, it, it may make it to where we're, this is going to be like the flu shot. We're going to do our vaccine this year and then next year and the next year and, and, and that could go on for a while. But uh, I, would, I would be hopeful would, that 2021 would be the, you know, 2020 was the year that we got it. 2021, uh, I'm hopeful, is the year that we get over it and start our new normal with the vaccine just like we did with flu. So there's okay. light. <laughs> yes, uh, certainly. And I think that that's an important thing for us to reemphasize. Number one, there is light. We are still in the tunnel, but also that that light uh, was not a foregone conclusion. I think something that we're, we've missed out on because of how contentious everything is and all of the, I mean, 2020 being what it was. But, you know, this was almost a moonshot thing from a science standpoint, you know, to what you were saying earlier. I mean, the fact that you had uh, the collective uh, talent and capacity of scientists across the entire globe working on the same thing. Right. Um, truly amazing. Truly, uh, truly amazing that, that this could happen. <clears throat> uh, yeah. And it is that, you know, you're absolutely right, Sean, this is the, the moonshot of our time, right. Um, you know, uh, in, in 20 or 30 years, we will celebrate this as, as we put a man on the moon. I mean, just, you know, science, the science involvement and collaboration um, and collaboration around the world, um, this, this is unprecedented. Yeah, it really is. And I think that, I think because of just the way things have been and also the fact that we're still in the midst of, of, yeah. of you know particularly here in the united states where and it's not just here obviously we know the resurgence in in the uk and the lockdowns there but you know we're in the midst of the battle and uh so i think that kind of fog of war almost right like might also cloud the celebration that needs to occur on pointing out you know uh this is this is where science and technology you know is demonstrating uh the value that it still has you know and that uh and we should celebrate that and i hope that you're right that as the years go by and this becomes a in the rearview mirror a little bit we'll be able to celebrate celebrate that um that very thing and and so and i also think that people need to know and i hope that it's clear to folks this also wasn't done uh so willy-nilly you know the the there were over thirty thousand people who were part of these trials, right? I mean, right. It, this wasn't just, they, they gave it to a couple of people and they were fine or whatever, you know, this was, right. this was still under some, some significant scientific rigor. It's just, it was under actually very strict guidance by companies that, you know, want to do well. Uh, and, you know, if you, I mean, if you think about it, we're, we're talking about potentially billions of doses being made and given there is no company out there that wants to be responsible for millions or billions of injuries or deaths, right? And, and, and quite frankly, if you think about it, they're not just giving it to people. They're giving it to themselves and their loved ones and everybody. I mean, they have personal stake in this game. And to even consider that this 
um, was done in any other environment, but the most rigorous, um, I think is, you know, short-sighted and inappropriate probably. Uh, fast, so, yes. Amazing, yes. Uh, to harm, no. Uh, how has reaction been from the public in terms <laughs> of the, the vaccinations and how, just sure. what's been the response? Uh, well, the health department director texted me the other night, really almost in tears, not because of bad things, but because of the public reaction. Um, when people are coming in and they're saying, yes, you know, I got my, I, you know, m maybe my life can start to go on. I can feel protected and just so happy and, 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 um, appreciative of, of this phase. Right. Um, I think that says it all, you know, the, this population that we have told not to leave their house for a year actually might be able to go outside without fear of dying next week. And, and they're bringing that to the clinics. They are incredibly appreciative and happy. Uh, and I, you know, I hate to, I hate to sound like I'm overselling that, right. You know, I, I'm using too many, uh, descriptive words, but really just incredibly profoundly happy and appreciative uh, of, of getting to this phase. Now, we want to move faster, right? We as a healthcare entity want to move faster to get this to the public. And the state wants to move faster and the feds want to move faster and the pharmacies want to move faster. Um, we'll get there but the public is very appreciative uh, of this uh you know maybe a little frustrated because we all want to move faster i get that i, I totally 100 percent get that um but still appreciative of the fact you know when we're able to to get those doses in um and you know i think uh as long as we show that we're not storing doses that we're giving everyone we can give uh, I think the public will still or will continue to be appreciative of our efforts, at least in the, the health care and health department realm. So from the numbers you gave earlier, it sounded like we we're at 2,500 or so that have, and, and is that fully vaccinated or they've got at least one shot? Uh, that's unique vaccinations. Um, so at least one shot. Um, so the 2,500 is unique people. 2,500 people have been vaccinated at least once. Uh, we've given more shots than that because two thirds of that are have both vaccines. And, and that's, that's probably much, healthcare workers predominantly in the right. It is right. Yep. We have to keep we, we had to we had to protect the team taking yeah. care of the, the people. And so um so of those, of those, because I know one of the things that I know a lot of folks that uh, it can be a, a concern they have is on the side effect side. So, uh, or, you know, we, we, there are some of these news reports that people are seeing of, of people having allergic reactions and, and anaphylaxis and some different things. So talk, let's talk a little bit about that. Cause I want to make sure, sure that folks feel confident yeah, and, in that regard. And, and so what actually, have you observed so far? One of the, probably the, one of the most important aspects of this podcast right now um, 
I, I want people to understand the the vaccine and how it makes how it makes them feel. So, um, first of all, let's talk about the anaphylactic reactions. Very rare, and it's a very small subset of the population. And it's usually the ones that are uh, grossly allergic to a lot of things, right? And the vaccine happens to be one other. Um, usually very well controlled with what we would typically do for anaphylaxis, the epinephrine, Benadryl, solumedrol uh, combination, and you know, we treat them. And we have that on site at every site. Uh, again, very, very rare for that. What is common, not necessarily after the first dose of the vaccine, but the second dose of the vaccine is to feel like you have COVID for a couple of days, right? <laughs> and I can tell you from experience, uh, first dose, my arm hurt. Uh, and I'm a guy, so I whined a lot about it, but... Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, my arm hurt. First dose, and two days later, it's gone. I'm going about my business. Second dose, um, got it in the other arm and uh, hurt a little bit. Not bad. I thought, this is great. About 12 hours after I got the vaccine, started getting a bit of a headache. And I had a pretty good headache for 30 hours. Uh, and I had body aches that went from the waist up. I didn't get a fever. Uh, lasted about 30 hours, so at uh, about 42 to 48 hours, I was complete. Uh, really, I just took some Tylenol and ibuprofen um, or acetaminophen and ibuprofen and um, it was tolerable, it went away. Some are getting much more significant COVID-like symptoms um fever even uh, and some of them moderate fevers uh chills body aches just feel like junk for a couple days and then that resolves again that is not an illness it's your immune response and so your immune response is very active in that and it can make you feel bad and this is why i say it's important because after you get the vaccine, especially the second dose, you may feel that way for 48 hours. If it were to go on longer than that, um, probably need to be seen or evaluated. But if it stays within that 48 hours, that's the typical immune response. Um, and the, the qualifier would say is if you're short of breath or you, you know, if you're having shortness of breath, significant chest pain, those kind of things, obviously I want you to present. If it's the fevers, chills, body aches, and headaches, like you have COVID, gut it out. You probably, you know, a couple days, it should be better. Um, and uh, we've seen that uh, throughout the spectrum. Uh, it does seem like, now this is anecdotal, so it doesn't, you know, it's not a, it's not perfect. And I, and I wouldn't say that, uh, you know, it's act actually even great data, but anecdotally, um, those that have had the COVID virus, they have a stronger response on that second dose. Um, I don't want that to scare people away. You went through the worst part of it. This will keep you from ever doing that again. It's, it's, a, uh, it's an important safety thing for you now and later. So that first 48 hours though, 
you'll go 12 hours and feel pretty good. And then you got, you know, another 36 hours of maybe feeling like yuck. And I've met many people, many people that were like, you are man fluing this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I guarantee, I guarantee you that I guarantee you that my wife is more worried about the idea of me getting it than I'm worried about me getting it. She knows what it'll be like to deal with me. Uh, uh, yeah. It's so uh, it <laughs> whereas with her uh as you know she's a healthcare worker and so she's gotten both of hers and she did on the second one uh she had similar to what you said i mean it was she woke up in the middle of the night felt like she had a fever and had to go take a hot bath because she just had the chills so bad yeah. i didn't even know she'd gotten up see if, if that had been me what she oh, knows and i know there would have been a, even if it wasn't just a straight up I'm dying kind of yelp. I would have been not, not definitely knocking a bunch of stuff around in the bedroom. Oh yeah. The neighbors would have known you were. Uh. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I'm pretty nope. sure she's, she's more scared of me getting the two shots than uh, uh, a lot of other things. But um, so let's uh, pivot a little bit. I know we're, we're running short on time, but I want to, one thing I know that folks probably, I know this is something that I had questions about um, is a, a couple of things after being vaccinated, how does that impact um uh, Quarantine, quarantine regulations and then number two just be more broadly what your perspective is on you know kind of after someone has been vaccinated how do you live how do we how do we how do we <laughs> what behaviors uh should we be continuing and, and mitigating mitigation strategies and those kind of things versus just go live your life right <clears throat> and so um after the vaccine we we don't have great guidance on this yet um and so it's going to go this will be more local because this will be my guidance um after the vaccine two weeks after the vaccine uh, i would consider you well let me back up two weeks after the second dose of the vaccine so when you completed your series uh, i would consider you immune and wouldn't quarantine you for a contact so that's good, right? That's a that's a, a a huge reason to get the vaccine, so you don't have to live through the quarantine piece. And, and would that be and would that be your uh, immune from a quarantine indefinitely, or is there a period so of time? So right now, uh, I can't say indefinitely because if there's mutations in the virus and we have concerns for second vaccination, right, uh, that guidance may change. Right now uh for the near foreseeable future um it would limit your quarantine um or negate your quarantine that being said you could still be transmissible right so you may not get the virus but you could still transmit it and not know that you had it and so right now, until we get our transmission rate much lower than we are, everybody still needs to continue to stay the course. You need to continue to wear your mask. You need to continue to hand wash. You need to continue to social distance. You need to continue to do the right things um, until we, we have a much more significant population that's vaccinated. And so um we will get there together when we can do the burn the mask thing right <laughs> but we're not there yet and so um yes stay the course continue the the standards as we have set now 
the, the great thing about it, though, is you're going to be less likely to die from coronavirus. The great thing about it is you're probably going to be less likely to transmit it. And that overall will decrease transmission rate in the community so that you don't inadvertently kill somebody else, right? And so um, stay the course. Um, we'll get to the light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, again, we'll do that together and we will have one heck of a mask burning bonfire um, that I think the world will celebrate. <laughs> uh, we appreciate your time though, uh, Dr. Stebbins, uh, Dr. Tim Stebbins, uh, the public uh, health officer for Crawford County. And, and fortunately he's staying in that capacity at least for a few more months, uh, hopefully help to see us through to the, to the light on the other side of this tunnel that we're in right now. And so sure. Dr. Stebbins, uh, really appreciate all you've done for this community and uh, really appreciate all your work. Well, I thank you. And I thank you for helping get the information out uh, to everybody. And quite frankly, your guys' work in the community um, to help us um, with the mitigation strategies and uh, community, uh, keeping our community open and going through all of this. You guys have been a big part of that. so. Uh, thank you. Right back to you. Absolutely. We're all in this together. That's okay. right. <laughs> all That's right. Well, thanks so much. All right. And uh, just everybody stay safe, stay, uh, stay vigilant and keep caring about each other. Absolutely. Okay. Thank you guys. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you.